Hello, everyone, and welcome to Two Guys, Five Movies. This is one of your co-hosts, Frank Pelicone. And this is Jason Heaster. And this is Chris Gasperi. Um, tonight, we are covering episode 128, and it is our first ever guest five um, with um, our friend Jason, who is going to cover the top five motorsports movies. Um, so... Jason, because you've um, always been so supportive and helped us out like so many times, um, we wanted to offer you up like an opportunity and be the first ever guest five uh, to come up with your own top five list. Uh, why did you, I, first thing though, is like, because people I don't think know this about you, like, why did you want to cover motorsports movies specifically? Well, I mean, I've always been into cars and uh, auto racing and um, I've raced myself. I've done like track events I, and I still, uh, I put on or help organize uh, amateur racing events uh, throughout the year. So that takes up a, a lot of my time. So I'm constantly surrounded by racing. I, I, I know a lot about racing and racing, and I, I love movies, of course. So um, it just seemed like a natural thing to pick. And I knew it's a, a topic that you guys uh, would never, never do on your own. <laughs> so, right. Yes, uh, that is that is that is correct. Um, I don't think this topic, um, even if we want another ten years, I don't know if this topic would probably ever come up. So, um, in that way, it's very interesting um, to me. Um, it would force me, force me at least, and I think Frank a little bit, probably outside of our comfort zones. Um, in watching movies, we definitely had to phrase it differently than motorsports movies. I think, right, in order to fit 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 the theme, kind of. Um, movies that have cars in them. Maybe. Yeah, so so I mean, this this isn't movies that have cars in them, or or car right. movies, or you know, because that would that would be a lot of different stuff. That would be you know, uh, uh, Fast and the Furious, maybe, or Cannonball Run, or Smokey and the Bandit, like, or you know. or, or Frank could just fit every anything you wanted to. We could Bullet in there, like we could. Yeah, uh, I, I would have put Bullet. I would have right, put yeah. Vanishing Point. You would have ended up oh, yeah. putting another Phantasm sequel in there because it has Hemikuda in it. Like, <laughs> like you would have figured out ways to just put whatever you wanted to on it because right. I had a car. <laughs> why? That's why it's Easter's episode, not mine. Right. That's right. right. And all those, I mean, you know, all those movies to one degree or another are are really good. Uh, Vanishing Point is, of course, a great car movie. I love that one. Yeah, um, but yeah, so I was really focusing on r- movies about racing um, that are not documentaries. So they might be based on real events, but they're they're not strictly speaking documentaries because there there's a whole other category of really great racing documentaries or or car documentaries even. Yeah, and I have a ban on documentaries um, pretty much on the podcast because Frank would always be trying to put documentary like top fives on here, and I can't do that. He's a bitter bitch. Yeah, I, I love documentaries too. Yeah. Can we do an episode of just, uh, <laughs> I won't even say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're going to trigger me. And, um, I mean, I'm already like slightly triggered just by the idea of racing. Cause I, I think you and I have talked about this before at some point, but I grew up in a NASCAR household. Yeah. So I became embittered to, racing now i actually like a lot of the stuff in the movies that you've picked here i like that much more than the traditional kind of like nascar stuff like um i I find that much more interesting especially the stuff from 20 or 30 years ago um but yeah i've always had this kind of like anti-racing mentality and not not even 
it's kind of like more of like a disinterest as opposed to being anti i guess but um yeah so it's like you pick this category and then you also violated two of my other rules kind of um <laughs> with movies that you chose but um but well uh it's all good <laughs> um <clears throat> so yeah so i i came into this being like oh god like a but um no there's um some of these movies i really enjoyed so um a lot um, so did you have, uh, before we get into your top five, was there any movies that you thought about putting on the list and didn't? Well, uh, let me, let me just start by saying, uh, days of thunder is not on the list. Um, because it's not a good movie. First off, <laughs> it's enjoyable and has a, good soundtrack. It has a good soundtrack and it has, it has like some fun racing stuff in it, but, uh, it's just it's just not good. So we won't talk about Days of Thunder. Um, much better movies that didn't quite make the list are uh, uh, Steve McQueen's uh, Le Mans uh, from 1971, uh, which is a a fantastic uh, almost documentary of of the 24 hours of Le Mans in 1970, and um, Steve McQueen you know pretty much pushed to get the movie made um got funding ended up getting like six million dollars of funding which would be like 50 million today uh his most expensive movie ever he was really driving the whole project and by the end of it um you know the the project was taken out of his hands it was he lost all creative control he gave up his salary and his points on it uh, he never raced again. They raced in a car again after it. It, it destroyed his marriage. Um, but the movie itself has basically no plot. Um, it has uh, virtually no dialogue. The first, the first lines of dialogue come about a third of the way into the movie. Um, but they actually did like film all of it at the 1970 24 Hours of Le Mans, and um, the sights and the sounds and you know the uh, they were they were equipped they actually equipped a camera car that was entered into the race with multiple cameras on it driving around in 1970 in 1970 so i mean like you know these were not like gopros these were big cameras and, um so you ended up getting like some amazing racing footage so it's a great movie to watch if you're a fan of like endurance car sports car racing um but it's just not a great it has no it has no real plot it's it's you know it's not a great movie, and it was hey, a. Sir, let me let, let me ask you a question real quick. Yeah, how upset would it make you to find out that up until a week ago <laughs> I always said Le Mans? If you'd never heard it, I mean, that's yeah, I, I I I I did the soft day, but it's like I I thought it was Le Mans, <laughs> like myself. So yeah. I had no idea how it was pronounced. I probably spent twenty years saying Le Mans, but I mean it's Le Mans. And I mean, I think when we talk about some other movies, we'll talk about that, and that's that's how they say it in that too. Yeah, um, yeah. I felt like an idiot. Trust me. <laughs> well, you shouldn't. Um, but so there's that movie, and you know, go watch it if you're into racing. Go watch it if you're into movies strictly. Like you probably don't want to watch it because it's basically a bunch of cars racing for you know 95 minutes, and then like 10 minutes of people trying to put together some semblance of a plot the plot is basically that uh one of his one of his competition one of his you know other drivers um 
gets into an accident and dies at a previous race and uh he kind of becomes obsessed the Steve McQueen character obsessed with uh the guy's widow and so it's kind of creepy too just an overarching question because it seems like it's a theme especially in things that like take place 30 to 50 years ago is well, I mean, this, de- you have death, death is a constant so it's like were, were there really that many like deaths that were occurring in racing like yeah absolutely, that long ago? absolutely. yeah absolutely i mean we were talking like you know there's a few movies we're going to talk about that are uh late 60s to mid 70s and um you know at that time i mean racing was much much more dangerous than it is today um the tracks were, were more dangerous the cars were more dangerous there was less safety equipment um <clears throat> so yes i mean and i mean most of these movies uh, touch on that and i'm sure you saw that in watching some of them uh that they talk about how dangerous it is and how like you know these these race car drivers um you know they're they're putting their desire to win above their own personal safety every time they get in a car. There's a really good line of dialogue in one of the movies we're going to talk about where they mention that that's why they're so attractive to women is because they're so close to death all the time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, because you definitely but, don't have that nowadays as much because it's like I can only think in my lifetime that I know of, I'm sure there's been more, but it's like, you know, since, since 1990, let's say when my household started watching NASCAR, um, I can only remember two deaths. Um, the famous, most famous one being Dale Earnhardt, but I mean, um, yeah. but uh, I remember Ken, Kenny, Kenny Irwin, I think also died, um, like in practice or something like that. Like since my household yeah, watched I, it. Yeah. I mean, there's, there've been some deaths in NASCAR. There's been some deaths in IndyCar. Um, not so many in sports car racing. I mean, they still happen, but yeah. they're much, much less frequent. Um, you know, there, there've been some, um, horrible crashes that have, uh, you know, maimed or disfigured drivers. I mean, in the last 30 years, I mean, you know, so fairly yeah. recent, um, it still happens for sure. It's still yeah. a dangerous sport, even with all the advances and the track, like I said, everything's much safer. Um, but, there's still risk involved for sure. Um, so yeah, so Lamar was one that didn't, didn't quite make the list. Like I said, it's just not a great movie. And then the other one, um, is greased lightning, uh, which is, uh, 1977. I think I I forgot to write down the, the year. Um, but it's a true story of Wendell Scott, who was the first black NASCAR driver. Um, and the, the, uh, screenplay was co-written by Melvin Van Peebles. Um, and it's a really good story. I mean, it's this, this guy who grew up in, uh, Virginia, he went to, uh, he fought in world war two, uh, came back, ended up, uh, running moonshine and then getting into, uh, racing through that. Um, and then did a bunch of local races and then, you know, and the, the movie talks about like the, the racism that he saw when trying to get into NASCAR that, you know, they were, they were flat out like refusing to sell him a license to race. I mean, like he met all the requirements and they were just like, you know, we're not going to let you race. Um, but he actually won a NASCAR race in 1964. Um, and when the results were announced, uh, they didn't, they didn't announce him as the winner. They announced him as second. And then, you know, so he complained and he waited and, 
they said, oh, we did make a mistake um, and we'll make sure you get the trophy. And uh, his family got the trophy in 2021. Oh. Yeah. But it's a, it's a pretty good story. It stars uh, uh, Richard Pryor. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think it's just it's just not a good enough movie to make the, the top five here. Uh, but, you know, if you're interested in, in any of those things I just mentioned, uh, uh, it's enjoyable. It's I think it's pretty well done. Yeah, I, me- I remember actually once you mentioned Jimmy the other day, um, maybe yesterday, like, I, I looked it up. and It's like, oh, yeah, I think I saw this movie as a child um, just because things played on cinema, like things like this would play on Cinemax or Showtime or something like that. And um, I, I really liked prior growing up so i know i watched it at some point um i don't remember a lot of it though so i wish i could say more but yeah yeah i mean i thought it was a good performance i thought uh prior did a really good job he was uh it was a very sincere performance um i expected to be kind of more hokey than it was uh but it was it was good it was a serious movie and i mean it uh um it did not shy away from the racial aspects of it um and if I ever saw it before, I don't think I picked up on that. And I'm not sure how I did. Maybe I was very young if I did see it. Um, but yeah, it was it was a good movie. And so now, if you'd like, we can move on to top five. All right. Let's do it. All right. This So you kind of bookend my, my other like uh, quabbles with um, things I try to steer away from. Uh, you bookend this list. So um so the the first movie uh, on your list, number five, is the uh, animated film Cars from 2006. It is directed by John Lasseter. Um, it is voice acted by Owen Wilson, Paul Newman, Bonnie Hunt, Larry the Cable Guy, Cheech Marin, and Catherine Hellman, who is making oddly her fourth appearance on the podcast somehow. Um, and it has a 74% from critics, a 79% from audiences. So you want to tell us a little bit about the movie and why you have it on the list? Uh, sure. I mean, it uh, was also co-directed by the late Joe Ranf, uh, who was a Pixar director. Um, he he died, actually, just before it came out. Uh, car crash um, <laughs> in California. Uh, he's he's probably best known as the... Uh, he was the, the caterpillar in uh, A Bug's Life. Mm. He's a, I'm, I'm a beautiful butterfly, like with the German, German accent. Um, Anyway, yeah, so uh, it's the uh, Cars is a story of Lightning McQueen, uh, who's a hotshot rookie driver car. I mean, you know, they're all cars. So the characters are cars, if you haven't seen the movie or don't know anything about it. So he's a car, and he's a racing car. Um, and that's play, that's Owen Wilson. Um, so he's a hotshot race car driver, and he, the, he ends up uh, tying like the uh, the championship race where he's going for the piston cup. And, um, so he has to go to California to race another race, uh, a tiebreaker race of just him and two other cars they tied with. Um, and along the way he gets, uh, dropped off by his trailer accidentally in the middle of nowhere, uh, on route 66 in a place called, uh, or near radiator Springs. And he ends up having to, uh, uh, wreaking a bunch of havoc, having to fix up the, the roads there and being stuck in the town when he really just wanted to be uh, 
in California getting ready for the race. He's also trying to get a big uh, sponsorship deal. So that's why he wants to be out there. So all these things are kind of like, you know, semi-realistic as far as racing goes, other than the characters all being cars. But yeah, so Radiator Springs is is all occupied by by various cars who have kind of been stuck there since the uh, the highway went in. And now people don't drive through the town anymore. So it's, you know, it's all economically depressed and, you know, they don't get many visitors and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, it's a story of him, like, learning what's important, uh, you know, it has Paul, Paul Newman is, is, you know, uh, th- this was the last, uh, feature performance by Paul, Paul Newman, uh, before his death. And he's playing, um, doc, doc Hudson. So he's the, uh, he's the judge in the town and he's, I don't know what other, what other, uh, titles he holds in the town, but you know, everybody defers to him and turns out that he was a famous racing car many years ago. And ends up helping uh, Lightning McQueen, and so you know it's it has all the it has all the great Pixar storytelling, world building, um, has great voice work. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun. It's just it's just one of my favorite racing movies. <laughs> um, I'm assuming now that you mentioned. Lama, like, um, I'm assuming that Lightning McQueen is a reference to Steve McQueen. It has to be, probably, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't have caught that until I knew about Steve McQueen. Like, um, I think the, I think the lightning part is a reference to some other, like, old timey NASCAR person nicknamed Lightning something. Gotcha. Um, but Makes yeah, the sense. McQueen part is definitely Steve McQueen. Okay. Um. <clears throat> Yeah, I um so I already have like this weird it's it's well known on the podcast. I already had this weird bias against um animated movies to some degree. Like um I there's plenty I like, Frank accused me of never liking any. There's plenty I like, but I already have this like thing where it's like it's hard for me to like watch them. Um I don't need any like, you know, uh doing any research of what other people think about this movie. I just thought it could be I thought it would have been perfect as a 25 minute short that you see before another feature because like all I took away from it is the stuff with the town that you mentioned. Like that's that's the only thing like is like this like economically depressed area after they built the highway and it's like he just ended up having to like basically like learn this lesson for 2 hours like um like an idiot. <laughs> um, uh and it's like um I don't know. It's like a that's that's that was my biggest problem with it is like uh overall watching it is um yeah, I, I would have rather watched like Doc Hollywood. Right. And and plenty of people have said it's it's basically the same plot yeah. as Doc Hollywood. Yeah. Um which isn't you know, isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um but you know, hey, it could be worse, it could have been a musical. Let me ask you this question, Beast, because I was thinking about this while I was watching this movie. Mm-hmm. Isn't this basically just like watching like Prefontaine kind of or like some kind of running movie? Because the cars aren't driving something else. The cars are themselves. Like, I don't know. Um, I mean, I get, I guess so. Except the, if you, if you think about it as not every car in this movie is a, is a racing car. Not every car could, could do what Lightning McQueen does. Sure. 
I can't run at all. So. <laughs> um, but you know, I, the him him being a racing car. I mean, like you know, they make jokes about him not having headlights because you know he's a race car. Um, stickers. Yeah, he just has stickers, right? Um, so I don't know. I mean, I you know, honestly, I don't. When I was watching it, I I did not think about it that much. Who who is the voice of um Chip Thunders or whatever the antagonist car is? Oh, Ch- uh, Chick Hicks. Chick Hicks. Yeah, that's um. Uh, Chick Hicks is on uh, Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. Yeah. Yeah. Keaton. <clears throat> Funny because that car actually looks like Michael Keaton <laughs> when you think about it. I mean, the, the the cast list is impressive on this. I'll give it that. Like, the number of people that they, like, have doing voices and all this is really impressive. Uh, look, I, I don't... This isn't a movie for me, necessarily. The the one time I chuckled was um, Daryl Cartrip, I remember, and I can't right. remember the other. It's it's Daryl Waltrip and what, Richard Petty, right? Like, um, are the two, like, yeah. announcers? No, the the other one is... Uh, oh, I can't remember who it is. Uh but he was the he was the typical NASCAR uh, commentator, and they gave him a car name, Cutlass. It was uh, oh Bob Costas, Bob Bob, Cut, Bob Cutlass, right? Yeah, right. Bob Cutlass. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's right. Um, but yeah, I um, that 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 made me chuckle. Yeah, I, I thought the 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 core of the story about the town was really interesting. Like, I think it's a, I think it's a worthwhile story. It might be like twenty years too late um, to tell that story to me, but it's like it felt like a really good like story um, to tell. Like that felt like something that was happening in the eighties more than it was like seventies and eighties more than it was in two thousand and six. But um, yeah, I mean, but nobody was making that movie necessarily and in the yeah, 80s and i mean true. you know it was you know it look it's very um <clears throat> it's it's very uh very much looking back towards like the golden age of american motoring like you know uh taking route 66 and stopping off at little roadside places you know prior to the interstate system um and you know it's it's lamenting the fact that things like that don't don't appear very much anymore because uh, everybody's just trying to get from point A to point point B, um, so you know I could I could certainly understand that. It made me want to play Fallout New Vegas. <laughs> so, uh, Frank did. Te- I put it in my notes here, so I'll remind Frank. Frank texted me the other day and said, "Remembering me to remember, remind me to chastise Heaster about making me listen to a country version of Life as a Highway." Oh my god! I was so mad. I just, I, I just want to say, I, I, I forgot that that was in there. And when it came up, I put in my notes, uh, "Sorry for life as a highway." (laughs) (laughs) So I think we were all on the same page there. And then, and then you know what? I went, I went to look. I, I, I felt like after this movie came out, "Life as a Highway" was in like a dozen other movies, movies in like, you know road montage things and I, I couldn't find a single one um so maybe it just exists in my mind yeah that is very much like some sort of jack donaghy liz lemon type thing where it's like they predict each other's answers um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right well it gets better from here for me <laughs> yeah Oh, and by, uh, just one last thing about cars. Yeah. So that was also the last uh, feature role for George George Carlin. 
Oh, really? I didn't yeah. even, I, I knew about Newman. I didn't know about Carlin. Um, yeah. so, so what we're saying here is that cars cause the death of multiple people. No, not at all. <laughs> I think that's my takeaway. Um, I'd have to look up Owen Wilson's filmography, but um, does his career take a nosedive after this movie? Um, no, I, I think the opposite. Yeah, he's in some really good stuff after this. Yeah, he is. Yeah, you're right. And Marley and me. It's a little later where it takes a nosedive. Um, <clears throat> I mean, Andy was in two more Cars movies. Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I have you seen how many how many Mater movies there are? I think you mean like videos and like direct to video type things. Sure, but still, yeah. like. He's a popular character. Uh, I know. He is. He was just on Saturday Night Live, um, what, a few weeks ago, right? Like, doing a bit where he was doing voice acting for Cars 4 or something like that. It was like this, the the, the bit was like it was, they were putting really inappropriate things in, like, in yeah, his mouth. Oh, Wilson. Frank yeah. was talking about Mater. Uh, Mater. Yeah. I was still well, looking the, at, sorry, I was still looking at Owen guy. Wilson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was still looking at Owen Wilson's filmography to see like when like his career started to go downhill. So, way to pay attention to the podcast first. Um, I think I just block out anything related to Larry the Cable Guy, like whatsoever. Like it just, just I just you don't have a refined sense of humor. That's the problem. <laughs> All right. So number four on your list is also from two thousand and six. It is uh, Talladega Nights, directed by Adam McKay, stars Will Ferrell, John C. Riley, Sasha Baron Cohen, Gary Cole, Leslie Bibb, Michael Clark Duncan, and tons of also other uh, well-known comedians in minor roles. It has a seventy-one percent from critics, a seventy-three percent from audiences on Rotten Tomatoes. You want to tell us a little bit about this movie and um, why it's on the list? Sure. Um, so the plot in a nutshell is uh, Ricky Bobby is a um, he comes from a, a terrible uh, upbringing um, has always uh, felt that he just wanted to go fast and somehow ends up uh, changing tires for an NASCAR team. And uh, after some ridiculous series of series of events, uh, they let him drive and it turns out he's a great driver. Um, and so he quickly becomes a, an acclaimed race car driver, a NASCAR driver. And I mean, it's a, it's a comedy. So, uh, all this stuff is, is pretty funny. Um, and then, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen plays like his, uh, his competition who shows up, he's playing a, a Frenchman, a for, French formula, formula one driver who comes to race NASCAR and, um, yeah. So basically, basically the, the arc of Ricky Bobby is to, you know, he goes from nothing to being, uh, a really good driver to being kind of nothing again. And then by the end he comes back. Um, but, but all along the way, he's his personality by the end of the movie, let's say he, he, uh, changes his outlook, uh, and starts to realize what's actually important. Um, I think as I was watching it again, and I've seen it, you know, I don't know, half a dozen times or something now, um, it struck me. Of course, it's Adam McKay directed it, who also did Eastbound and Down with Kenny Powers. And so it's very similar to that Kenny Powers kind of story where, you know, he's uh, a legend in his own mind. Uh, and then by the end of the, the movie, he actually becomes like a person, like a fully formed person. Um, but yeah, you're, you, you mentioned all the, all the, 
the great uh, comedic actors who were in it. And, you know, there's just countless, countless funny, uh, almost throwaway bits. They do a lot of uh, like ad lib uh, kind of things throughout. And they, they put a lot of those in the credits. And yeah, so it, it's, it's a very funny movie. It has a lot of good driving stuff. It costs a lot of money for a comedy. I mean, it costs $73 million. Um, but I think it made more than double that in the yeah. box office. So um, it's good. I and, mean, you know, and it's also one of those movies. Uh, it's, it's probably the best like comedy racing movie I can think of because it kind of takes the, the racing seriously. You know, you have to be serious to do comedy. <laughs> um, and it's, it's one of those things that like, if you're, if you're ever around, like, racers or people who are big racing fans like they absolutely have seen it countless times oh i didn't realize that they were run is the best comedy racing movie uh no it's not (laughs) it's good i enjoy it but it's definitely it's very hokey and it's also not like you know it's an elite it's an illegal road race i mean it's not it's not really racing like not the way they were doing it the the good version of Cannonball Run is called Gumball Rally, which is still a comedy, which is still very funny, but is actually much more accurate uh, as far as what they actually did in the the coast to coast Cannonball runs. Sorry, he's driving me to jump your spot. No, it's I mean you know, I think Will Ver- Ferrell's very funny. I think uh, Sasha Baron Cohen very is very funny in this, uh, and. Uh, yeah, well, uh, uh, John C. Riley, of course. Yeah, that's my favorite um, part of the entire movie. Yeah, John John C. Riley to me is like, like the standout performance in the movie. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that for sure. He that's definitely my, makes me laugh the most. In the, yeah. movie. the the storyline of him taking Ricky Bobby's wife is is my favorite thread throughout right. the entire movie. I think. Yes. Yeah. But still wanting to be Ricky's best friend, yeah. Like calling him on the phone, <laughs> calling him on the phone and asking him how to how to work his uh, stereo TV system. I think it's the best scene in the entire movie. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um. Just it just just this complete ignorance of like why it's such a big deal. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, excellent. Yeah, like I I like that. Like um, physical comedy wise, I, I I like the scene like where he stabs himself in the leg. You know. Um, you know, I think that's good. Um, like little things like I'm not sure to do with my hands. Like, um, like there, there's <laughs> right. little things like that. There's little things like, um, what are the kids' names? Is it Walker and Texas Ranger? <laughs> Walker and Texas Ranger. Yeah. yeah. Like, so like some of like, you know, the humor about like, kind of like making fun of like the hick lifestyle almost, or like, you know, this like low class, like Southern, like, like some of that stuff makes me laugh. Um, my problem, my, my, my complaint about this movie is always going to be that Farrell sometimes, I think, in ad-libbing just takes things like too far and there's always like sometimes like five or six scenes in his movies where it's like it goes on for 90 seconds too long because he's just riffing and just you know trying to be in character and ad-lib and so it like actually like decreases the value of some scenes like i know that the confrontation the one i can think of is a confrontation with sasha baron cohen on the racetrack and like he's trying like uh his friend you know john c Riley's trying to pull him away and right. it just keeps going and going and it's like that's just the one thing about feral that like can kind of get to me sometimes it's like he sometimes he just doesn't know what when it's enough 
Yeah, I agree. And I mean, you can also blame the the director for that. But, you know, I think I think for the purposes of this movie, uh, it worked pretty well. Uh, You know, if if it got tightened up, you know, I don't think it would have taken anything away for sure. But I like it as is. Yeah. And I I love um, I I love Gary Cole and everything. So I I, I really love Gary Cole in this um, as well. Like um, and I even like I. I still find I find humor in the storyline with um oh what's Jane Lynch like you know like um, oh, yeah. wrangling the kids and you <laughs> yeah. know um yeah so I overall like um I'm much bigger fan of comedies I think than than Frank is overall but it's like I it, I, I still like enjoyed this movie um watching it even with some of Farrell's like antics but there was there were several jokes that made me smile that's my answer. <laughs> There were there were a lot of jokes in this that made me like laugh out loud even even after seeing it you know actually I was reminded when you guys were talking of the one that I actually laughed out loud at was um we didn't name him Doctor Doctor Quinn in medicine (laughs) that was very funny (laughs) yeah this is only the second time I've seen it but um yeah no I I I enjoyed it having not seen it after I don't know probably like almost like. 14 years or something like that. I think I saw it on HBO or something one night and watched it. This was actually the first time I've seen this movie in its entirety from start to finish. So, <laughs> um, What is your favorite Feral movie, you think, Easter? So the last. Oh. Uh, maybe Elf. Hmm. Probably Elf. Is that a cop? No, that's a good answer. Is that like... Yeah. I think it's Elf. I mean, I think I think because that's the character he's playing is is so good, and um, that's that's my number two answer. I think the other guys is really really funny too. Yep, that's yeah. my number one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other guys, I haven't. I've I've watched Elf a lot more than I've watched the other guys, but like, I'd say every couple of months I like think about the other guys. I should watch it again because it's very very funny. I'm always telling people I'm going to make a soup kitchen in their car. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think here. Like, I remember uh, Frank and I watched it in the theater. I remember I actually liked Bewitched, like, because only because it surprised me. I thought it was going to be absolutely dreadful and it was only mediocre. And I was like, oh, like, that's actually. <laughs> <laughs> not the worst thing I've ever seen. Um, I'm pretty sure I never saw it, and I don't think I want to. Yeah, I, that, I, was, I, that was the year we watched every movie ever. It was, yeah. Um, but um, he's good in that as like the kind of like the straight, the straight man. Like I thought, like I remember actually being impressed with Farrell, like reining it in. Um, but yeah, and then Anchorman as like a pure comedy. I I I, I enjoy the first Anchorman movie. Yeah, Anchorman's very very good, very funny. Um, I, I would actually really like to see Will Ferrell in a um a, a role like uh, Adam Sandler in Punch Drunk Love, like something like that. Like get him with you know Paul Thomas Anderson or something. Yeah, he kind of does that. What what is it? Stranger Than Fiction? Is that the name of that movie? Yeah, that 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 movie's depressing though. I don't. Yeah. Know. I feel like he has all that like pathos inside him, and if it was like channeled in the right way, I think it could give a pretty amazing performance. I actually thought that uh, that Eurovision movie was pretty good. The, uh, I never saw that. I, I think it's on Netflix. 
think yeah, it's on it is. It was a Netflix original, I think, or yeah. produced or whatever. Yeah. And I think I think I liked a lot of it because it was like uh, Icelandic. Like the he was from Iceland, and he and his sister, and all that kind of stuff. And then you know, just the the competition being ridiculous. Um, and I guess if you were a fan of Eurovision, they had a lot of like actual Eurovision people in it. But mm-hmm. I can't say that I've ever seen anything, right? Other than maybe a YouTube clip or something. Just looking at the names of people here, they I'm sure they did <laughs> like a lot of names I can't pronounce. Um, <clears throat> so. Okay. Yeah, maybe I'll check that out at some point. Um. All right. Yeah, I I think it's. Uh, can you? I mean, I know you mentioned a couple, but it's like, can are is this like really like one of the few comedies then that exists? For- yeah, I mean, like for for real like racing comedies. I mean, you know, Frank was right. Like Cannonball Run. Um. Herbie fully loaded. Oh no! I mean, like the original Herbie the Love Bu- the Love Bug, which was the the first Herbie. That was definitely a comedy and definitely racing. It just wasn't wasn't very good. Um, yeah. Why do you think there's so many so few comedies in racing? Though? Um, I don't know. Maybe it comes back to it being dangerous and deadly, and so it kind of like um, lends itself more to something dramatic sure makes sense i did note that this is the two times dale Earnhardt jr is going to make the podcast um because he was he did a voice in cars and he was also um had a small role as a fan in this movie so yeah yeah he he came up and asked ricky bobby for his autograph that was a good a good funny pop And and i noticed that i just didn't know looking at cars i didn't know he did a voice in it so of course he played junior or whatever yeah right <clears throat> they got everybody they could for for cars for sure, sure. in the look the, not to go back and talk about cars but in the localization for it they actually changed some of the voices so like hmm. jeremy clarkson from top gear was uh his agent instead of jeremy piven gotcha. playing basically because they had jeremy piven play basically playing ari from uh sure yeah uh yeah entourage um but he was never he never appeared he was only ever on the phone he was just a voice but and i think they did that with some other voices maybe maybe in the sequels as well so like localized it to like europe and stuff like that you mean like yeah like to england yeah yeah huh. yeah huh. that's interesting um all right so now we're getting into like the dramas here so number three on your list is from 2013 directed by ron howard it's entitled Rush. Um, stars Chris Hemsworth, Daniel Brawl, and Olivia Wilde. It has an 89% from critics and 88% from audiences. You want to tell us a little bit about this movie and um, why it's on the list? Sure. Uh, so this is a story about two Formula One drivers, uh, James Hunt and uh, Nicky Lauda. Um, and they were, <clears throat> excuse me, they were uh, competing in Formula One. Well, they started out competing against each other in Formula 3, which is a, a lower series than Formula 1, hoping to get, you know, uh, to get to be able to drive in Formula 1. <clears throat> um, and so they were real characters. I mean, this is based on, on true events. Um, and I think the movie starts probably early 70s or late 60s. Um, I think it ends in 
74, 75, but it covers a span of several years. Um, and, uh, you know, it kind of plays up their rivalry. They, they were, they were definitely competitors, uh, with each other. Um, they had very different, uh, approaches to racing. Uh, James Hunt was, you know, long hair and long blonde hair and tan and womanizing and drinking and staying out all night. And, uh, Nikki Lauda was, uh, kind of, uh, rat, rat faced, uh, timid, um, and really looking at like the, the percentages of everything and, uh, the engineering of the car, uh, whereas hunt was more just, uh, you know, hop in the car and go, um, and so this covers this covers their you know much of their careers uh and uh up to the point where uh James Hunt wins the Formula 1 championship um which Nicky Lauda had won the year before and actually Nicky Lauda went on to win the next year which is not in the movie and also again in 1984 um and he was Nicky Lauda was actually uh, still alive when this came out and saw it at the premiere and uh, was impressed at how much he felt uh, uh, Brule cap- captured him um, and wished that uh, James Hunt, who had died years before, uh, had been around to see it because he thinks he would have liked it as well. Uh, but it's a good movie. It uh, <clears throat> has a lot of racing, a lot of like uh, uh, good vintage Formula One stuff uh that they recreated specifically for the movie um i guess about is it about midway through like nikki lauda has a big accident and is caught on fire and um has to spend uh months in the hospital uh in excruciating pain with burns on his head and uh in his lungs they actually have to uh vacuum out his lungs and at one point in the movie later on he, he tells james hunt that uh, he helped him get back on the track and, and get better because he, he really wanted to beat him. Um, and then, you know, James Hunt like admits that him being back made him want to drive better and, and win the championship even more. So they were both constantly, I mean, that's part of, that's part of all auto racing, wanting to, to be the best, to be better than your direct competitor. So, uh, it's a really well well done movie. I mean, it's uh, <clears throat> that's uh, who directed that? Ron Howard. Oh, that was Ron Howard, right? Because um, I think I think at one point Ron Howard was attached to Ford versus Ferrari, but he didn't he didn't direct that. Uh, that's why I was getting confused. Um, but yeah, Russia. I, I think. Uh, for some people, they overlooked Rush. I think it's a good story. If you, if I mean, if you like racing, you definitely should watch it. If you don't like racing, I think it's still a compelling story. I think it's still really interesting. I think all the uh, relationships and they they do a g- really good job of kind of recreating the era. Um, it's very believable. Uh, you can see kind of how um, how wild like the the era was. Uh, for for racers and you know the things that were going on so let me say that um this is my favorite movie out of the list of the five um 
mostly because I really enjoy the performances um, by Brule and uh, Hemsworth, but also because like I really feel like it has kind of a. Have you ever seen Lords of Dogtown, the um, the skateboarding movie? Yeah, like it to me, it has that feel of like kind of like that unfettered like nineteen seventies optimism sort of, where like it was still an acceptable thing to just be like drunk and party and trying to live your best life all the time. And I don't know. I think it really captures like their personalities well. And I'll give you this Easter that um you actually made me read a lot about like racing over the past two weeks. Cause every time I watch one of these like historical movies, I go and look up all the people in it. So I actually found it really interesting to read about Nicky Lauda. Like he's a pretty pretty fascinating guy in real life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I thought this movie was great. And I agree. Like I think that, you know, I I really enjoy the racing scenes in this movie, um, and I like the performances. Like even in minor roles, like I think all the minor characters are all really good too. I had never heard of this movie before, like whatsoever. Like when I first saw you put Rush on a list, I I was like, am I am I mistaking like the nineteen ninety movie, like with you know Jason Patrick? Like was there racing in it that I don't remember? Um, and I like looked it up and like, I was like, oh, okay, it's on Netflix. And it, it was the first one I watched actually um, was Rush. And uh, yeah, I like it. Uh, I think it's really good character work from Brawl and Hemsworth. Um, and I, <clears throat> um, I thought it's a good story. Like, you know, I, I think that like the story is well told. Um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a Ron Howard movie. Um like definitely, but um, Hemsworth's such a likable guy, and um, I think Brawl does the best character work probably in a lot of this. Um, Hemsworth, Hemsworth's good in it, but he, he gets by on just how I think he's just a likable guy, and like he gets I, by I, a lot on that. I think he really did. I think he was acting a whole lot, uh, but made it look mm-hmm. effortless. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, because uh, you know he's he's playing this big gregarious character. Um, you know, uh, James Hunt was known for just being a larger than life uh, person. Actually, Hemsworth um, wanted this role so much he recorded himself doing a whole scene hmm. and then sent it to Ron Howard because um, I That's... think he was wor- I think he was working on Thor at the yeah. time, uh, and he had to drop like seventy pounds from from Thor. To, to get down to this way to play mm-hmm. James Hunt, um, uh, but yeah, I think I think they're both they both nailed. The, well, I mean, I think they both put a lot of work into the characters to get them right. Brule um, spent uh, a year, or no, he spent three months in Austria um, to get the Austrian accent right. Yeah. Um, because he's he's a native German speaker, um, so you know the German part was easy, but just getting sure. the Austrian accent right. Um. But yeah, they're just uh, they're so so different. You know, obviously it's a story of a great friendship. It's a great rivalry and a great friendship Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes down to it. Uh, And I think think Ron Howard did a really good job. I mean, I think Ron Howard said that, uh, you know, much like Apollo 13, when he not only wanted to satisfy all the audiences and critics, but wanted to satisfy all the NASA people that like packed into the theater for the premiere. Um, he didn't want to get any, anything technically wrong. And he said, it's the same exact thing with rush. I mean, cause he knows like when he has all these formula one drivers watching it, they're going to, they're going to know if he screws something up. 
Um, so he's very good at that. Mm-hmm. I thought the pa- pacing was really great. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought they uh, they they kept they kept everything moving along. There were no real real slow spots. Um, and when they were doing the uh, when they were going through like more races of the championship, you always knew where you were. Like you know, going through it, they didn't necessarily spend a lot of time on them, but they like took you through it and kind of like uh, made it really really fun. I, I agree. I watched it all in one sitting, which is a, sometimes a rarity for me. Um, so I, I found the pacing really good um, in it. And when I say it's a Ron Howard special, I think now that you like mentioned that about him, I think it's actually when he puts things out for more of a general audience, like it's those elements sometimes that bothers me about Howard. Um, I Sometimes I wish he would just lean in completely into like satisfying the specific audience at times. Um, but, um, no, this is a really good movie and there's one specific scene that is like, has very little to do with racing that I, that like really stood out to me in this movie, which is when he, um, the, uh, Lada character meets what becomes his wife for the first time when Mm -hmm. she's broke down the side of the road. Like this is, this is a weird comparison, but it's like, it reminds me of something out of Bergman almost even though it's not quite as like I think skilled as Bergman it's it's it reminds me of something out of Bergman of like just the idea of like having these strangers in the back of the car who knew you know who don't know who he is but then know who he is and then there's this like kind of like you know flirtation that's going on between the two of them um and I just think it's a really well-crafted scene overall that like says a lot about like his character now in a new situation where he's attracted to somebody and he wants to show off a little bit. And I just thought it was a really great scene that was well-filmed, well-acted and um, it was outside the racing part of it and still like, you know, told like something about the character. And and I, I I was really like captivated by like that six minute sequence or whatever, um, even outside the racing stuff, which I thought was interesting. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, just because we're talking about racing movies doesn't mean the non-racing parts aren't important. Um, and and that's that's a great scene um, that really gives you insight into the Lauda character. Um, and it was just just fun. I mean, it was just enjoyable the, the whole thing. That I mean, you you always get the impression that he's he's most comfortable in the car on the racetrack um, or with his engineering team telling them what to do with the car. Um, cause that's his, that's his thing and talking to other people or, you know, his own interpersonal relationships, you know, always takes a back seat. And of course, James Hunt is the exact opposite. He's, you know, <clears throat> he wants to be friends with everybody. He wants to be at every party. He wants to, you know, and then the driving is just, you know, uh, secondary. Yeah. It was also I, I also was reminded by the because I'm watching all these driving movies, but I'm I reminded the hunt like throwing up before every race, like when his girlfriend at the beginning or he brings he brings a nurse with him to the first race because he like gets stabbed by he that's how, that's the introduction to him right he like mm-hmm. he shows up in he shows up in a in a clinic or an emergency yeah. room uh-huh. and is. with a stab wound right and yes. with this this hot nurse taking care of him and right and 
and, and, then, uh, and, then, and then fucks the nurse. <laughs> right, right. And then, <laughs> right. The, and then brings her to the track the next day for his right, race. Right, right. Um, so, I mean, that's 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 also, that whole sequence is, is it really is. funny. Um, and also shows, you know, what kind of character he is. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, the fact that he would, you know, he he wants to race. He wants to be fast. He wants to be the best. He wants to win the championship. And before every race, like his his team manager, like sees him throwing up, the nurse sees him. And he, go, he goes, don't worry about that. He does that before every race. So, like, he's going to go do something that before every time he does it, he throws up. Like, he doesn't make himself throw up. He just can't help himself from throwing right. up. But he's still going to do it. Like, this is, like, his his determination and his will. Um, and, of course, it's super dangerous as well. So, yeah, I thought the whole movie was really good. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, yeah, it's my 1B, like, out of this list for me personally. Um, I, I thought it was really good, and I think it's worth watching. Like you said, Easter, even if you're not a big fan of racing, I, I really like the character work in this, and I um, really appreciate the story and everything. Um, my 1A is your number two movie, which is um, uh, 2019's Ford versus Ferrari. Um, it's directed by James Mangold. It stars Matt Damon, Christian Bale, John Bernthal, Katrina Balfe, Tracy Letts, and Josh Lucas. It has an 82% from critics on Rotten Tomatoes and 98% from audiences. You want to tell us a little bit about this movie and uh, why it's number two on the list? Sure. So this is the story of um, Carol Shelby, uh, who was a race car driver who won uh, at Le Mans uh, in an Aston Martin, um, ended up uh, having some health issues that precluded him from driving any anymore on doctor's orders. Um, so he started building race cars um, and street cars, uh, the famous Shelby Cobra uh, in conjunction with Ford. Um, he has a, a friend and a driver, uh, race driver na- uh, named Ken Miles, uh, who he, they they do like SCCA racing and, um, you know, he's Shelby wants to sell cars, he, but he's involved with racing as well. He's supporting like racers who are driving Shelby's and things like that. Um, and Ford contacts Shelby because the Ford Corporation wants to beat um, Ferrari at the 24 Hours of Le Mans. Um, and this comes about because they. They go to the Ford is um, Ford is trying to turn themselves around. They're trying to become um, more appealing to a younger generation, a generation that is not uh, just returning from the war. Uh, basically, the kids of of those people. Um, so the, the boomers, I suppose they were at the time, who were just turning sixteen, seventeen, um, and. The Iacocca, uh, played by uh, Bernthal, he uh, he says we have to be more like Ferrari um, than we are like Ford. Ford is boring. Ferrari is out there winning races, uh, and so they actually attempt to buy Ferrari. Um, the sequence of events in the movie are not really what happened in real life, um, but it turns out that Ferrari won't sell to them, um, but does sell to Fiat. Um, and Ferrari, Enzo Ferrari, still re- uh, retains control of all of his race teams. So 
Ford is is stuck, they're still going to be racing against Ferrari in the 24 Hours of Le Mans. Um, so they go to Shelby and they say, "What would it take for us to win Le Mans?" And he says, "You can't just you can't just go and win. You have to, you know, it's it's very difficult. You have to have the right people, the right car, the right drivers." Uh, and they said, "Well, what if we just give you a blank check?" And he's like, "Well, you know, now we're in business." So um, he gets Ford to provide him with cars, which he and Miles then modify and um, you know create different iterations of, um, and they end up racing them uh, in small, you know, testing them, racing them in smaller races, races at the uh, twelve hours of Sebring, the 24 hours of Daytona, and then the big race is the uh, uh, he, uh, Miles wins. Miles wins at Sebring. He wins at 24 hours of Daytona. Um, and then Ford uh, lets him drive one of the cars. They they end up taking three cars to Le Mans. Uh, and I don't know. It's a, like, have people seen this? Or like, like should I care about spoilers? I don't want to spoil the ending. No, I we don't we don't care about spoilers. It, it would have to be a really big thing to care about spoilers right. on. Well, maybe maybe by this point, if you've wanted to see, it's, it's, hard, hard. it's hard to really spoil real life anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, I mean it is it is a true story. I mean, yeah. what what happens at the end? You know, Ken Miles legitimately uh, won the race, um, but because Ford wanted to uh, to have like a a photo op uh, going across the start finish line with the checker flag with the three cars there. Uh, he ended up uh, finishing second. Um, and that's, that's a true thing that happened. Not quite as it happened in the movie, but um, miles was pretty much robbed of, uh, of that win. And, and therefore, because he had won um, Sebring and Daytona, uh, that's those three races are the triple crown of endurance racing. So he would be in, you know, among maybe another 10 race car drivers who have ever done all three of those, won all three of those races. But he um, would have been the first one to do it, like, in, a, in the same season, right? Isn't that what it's, I read? I think, I think at the time, he would have been the first one to do it uh, in the same season. Yeah, uh, but people have done it in the same season since then. I'm pretty sure. Um. But anyway, and then you know, after the race, they're working on a new car, hoping to go back. So that was the that was the '66 race where they lost. Um, so they were working on a new car to take back for '67. Uh, Shelby and Miles and uh, Miles had a huge accident and was killed during testing, and that's also a real thing that happened, which was very sad. So. <clears throat> What? Why? Why is this number two on your list? Uh, well, I mean, it's it's a great story, um, which is kind of um, they've played they've played up kind of making Ford the bad guys in it. Um, I'm not saying Ford is necessarily good guys, but um, they they kind of made you know Ford was the Wicked Witch of the West, and yeah. Um, but it's good. I mean, it's a good story. It's uh, you know, a good story of them set, setting out to uh, take on this insurmount, seemingly insurmountable task of beating Ferrari uh, at Le Mans and doing it um, in a really short time frame. 
um, I think it was like 90 days they had to develop these cars. Uh, <clears throat> I think the, the bigger part is um, the friendship between Carol Shelby and Ken Miles and the portrayal uh, of them by Damon and uh, um, Christian Bale. Christian Bale. Uh, they're both in different ways, very likable characters. Um, but they're also very, very determined, very driven. Um, there's just a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of good, a lot of good scenes, a lot of good dialogue. Um, it's, it's a tight movie. It, it looks fantastic. I mean, it seems like no expense was spared to make it, um, historically accurate and, uh, just enjoyable. Um, I mean, it costs almost three times what Rush cost. And I think you can see it. I think it, it plays on the screen that, you know, this, it looks expensive. Um, I just think it's really I think good. These are the best. I, I think these are the best two performances on your entire list. Yeah. I think, I mean, in, in Bale and Demon. Yeah. I mean, they're probably the most accomplished actors on the list, at least at the time the movie came out. Um, I mean, I think that I think the performances by uh, uh, by Hemsworth and and Brule are pretty comparable, but they're they're different kind of different kind of performances. I mean, well, they are. What I was telling Frank um, when we talked about it very briefly was that I think the reason that this edges out for me rush a little bit is because. As good as those performances from Hemsworth and Brawl are, is that they're playing archetypes to me. Um, that the party boy versus the perfectionist. And in this movie, I think that it's like, one, there's not so much of a rivalry. It's a coming together of two distinct personalities. And I think it's because they're such great actors. There's a lot more nuance that they do through I, manner, I agree with that. mannerisms and the way they deliver dialogue to create, I think, slightly more complex characters um, outside of those archetypes. And I'm always going to be drawn to that a lot more, even though I really enjoy Rush and I think it's the, it's my second favorite movie on your list. But it's like, um, and it's because it deals with characters. And I think this movie is primarily about characters and yeah, how, how, they, how they interact either coming together or conflicting with one another to, you know, as they try to achieve this, like really what seems like not knowing the history of it personally, this insurmountable goal. Um, and I just found it really captivating. And um, like you said, I think it looks really good. Um, I think Mangolds does a great job directing it. Um, even in the scenes outside the racing, I think it looks like, you know, phenomenal. Um, and I think there's like just enough humor in it at times that like, you know, it doesn't take itself like absolutely 100% seriously. The humor comes natural, like with the characters, um, when it does happen. And yeah, I just, I thought it was a really enjoyable movie and, um, it was really sad. Like the, to find out like, you know, this, that, that guy died. Um, you know, because you, you end up like, you know, kind of like rooting for him so much, I think throughout the movie. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. He's such such a likable character, and um, you know, Carol Shelby comes across as likable, but but prickly. Like mm -hmm. you know, you know, if you were friends with him, you would have you know a fight in the park across the street from your house with him. Right, right. Um, 
which they you know i i think that's one of the one of the greatest scenes because it's like they're intentionally not trying to trying to hurt each other too much uh you know he when when i think at one point shelby i can't remember who it was it was shelby or miles reaches into the groceries to like the groceries are strewn all across the park and he grabs a can of beans and he's like i'm gonna hit him in the head with, and he goes and oh no i'm gonna grab the loaf of bread i'm gonna beat him over the head with the loaf of bread right because the beans i can actually hurt him i don't want to hurt right. him i just want right. to get my point across uh yeah so, I mean, and, the, like, and, the, and the wife's reaction is like i think like the thing that really caps like you know like that's oh yeah off, like brings that oh. brings out the lawn chair Mm-hmm. And then when they're done, ask him uh, if if ask Miles uh, if he wants any, wants anything. Right. He says, a, a fizzy, yeah, I'll have a fizzy pop. And then right. Shelby goes, Shelby goes, I'll have one too. Yeah. And he goes, No, none for him. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And 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 that's the kind of comedy that I mean that like I think it does feel natural to the characters because like oh, yeah. you said, they're not trying to hurt each other. They're not, you know. Um. But yeah. Uh, it's a really solid movie. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I don't think I have much more to say, but I, yeah, I thought, I thought it was, um, I can see where it's one of the better movies of that year, honestly. And I think Josh Lucas is really good as just being a f- conniving prick throughout the entire thing. Um, oh, yeah. and, I, and I don't know if I would give Josh Lucas much credit for anything in life, but he plays a conniving prick really well. Oh yeah. <laughs> He was he was he had such a punchable face in, <laughs> in that entire movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like it or not. Oh, I like it a lot. I actually so if you're so we're we're obviously, you know, all in the I'm in Delaware and we're all in the Maryland, Delaware, close to Philly area. There's a great car museum called the Simeon Foundation Museum. It's uh you can Google it. Uh, it's right, right by the Philadelphia airport. Um, and they have a huge collection of race cars, specifically race cars, uh, including two Ford GT forties, like, uh, we're in Ford versus Ferrari and the production team, uh, came to the museum to inspect and take measurements and things like that for the cars, because they had to build a whole bunch of cars. And, uh, also they have a huge, uh, like reference library. So they were able to look up information about the cars and about the races to make them all period correct. Uh, and because Simeone helped them, I mean, you know, they didn't charge them anything. I think they get a thank you like in the end credits. Uh, but uh, a week or a few days before this opened, uh, the Simeone had its own private sheet screening uh, up in a small theater in Philly. And I got to go to that. And so that was, that was pretty cool. A a theater filled with a bunch of car nuts and racers and enthusiasts and stuff. I mean, um, it got the kind of reaction you would expect. I mean, like it was, it was overwhelmingly positive. Um, but I, I do think, uh, most people would enjoy it if you like movies. Um, I think it has enough story outside of the cars and the racing that, uh, makes it very worthwhile watching. Yeah, this is definitely a thing where it's like, if it would have been mentioned to me years ago, like, you know, when it came out like a couple years ago, like, I would have just said, like, I'm never watching that damn movie. And then after having watched it now, like, it's, 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 it's a great movie. Like, it's really good. Um, Something I wouldn't have watched as a, as a non-racing fan ever, but it's a good movie. All right, so number one on your list, 
going way back to 1966, is Grand Prix. It is directed by John Frankenheimer, stars James Garner, Eva Marie Saint, Eve Montand, Tashira Mufune, Brian Bedford, Jessica Walter. It has a 100% from critics on Rotten Tomatoes and 88% from audiences. You want to tell us a little bit about uh, this movie and why it's number one on your list? Sure. Uh, unfortunately, I, I won't remember all the characters, but in a nutshell, it's the, the 1960, I think it's supposed to be the 1966 uh, Formula One uh, championship. Um, and it, it follows uh, that entire season. Uh, James Garner is uh, the lead, uh, and he's an American race car driver racing Formula One. Um, and then this also follows three other uh, Formula One race car drivers. They're all racing the same races. They are all at the same functions and parties and things like that. Um, so they're pretty closely connected, uh, including one of the other one of the other racers um, uh, who was in an accident. So it opens, it opens at the Monaco Grand Prix and, uh, James Garner's characters, uh, teammate in a identical car are, um, I think they were one and two. They were position one and two that he was leading the race. Uh, but, uh, Garner was in front and his teammate was behind him, but he was going faster. And so the team was encouraging him to let, the faster guy go through and of course being a race car driver he doesn't want to do that he wants to win the race on his own he doesn't he doesn't care about a win for the team he wants a win for himself and this causes a an accident that crashes both of them out of the race uh and his uh teammate ends up in the hospital with a broken leg and um you know injury to his face and things like that it puts him out of out of racing for several months i'd say um seemed like that and then you have uh you know a hotshot young ferrari driver um who's you know in the thick of everything and uh has a girlfriend that he brings around to all the races and then eve montand uh he plays kind of the um elder statesman ferrari driver uh so you're really looking at like you know, three generations of racers uh, that it's following through here. And, you know, their interactions with uh, the women in their lives. Um, Jessica Walter plays the the wife of the uh, Garner's teammate, who once he stops racing, she says, well, I'm going to divorce him and, and things like this. And so Garner ends up, you know, I guess somewhat, somewhat timidly, testing the waters with her and mm -hmm. uh it takes off from there um but there's a lot of you know a lot of conversations about the nature of racing about the danger of racing about um the attraction of racing um and in the end uh garner wins the championship if i recall correct yes um <clears throat> But it's a good movie. It's, I mean, it's John Frankenheimer, um, who, as I told you, Chris, yesterday, like he, uh, he was a lifelong racing fan, car, car nut. Um, he wanted to make this movie for a number of years. Um, uh, the, 
yeah, I, he did a lot of technical things, uh, just like we were talking about with Lamar. So this is Lamar was 1970. This was 1966. So technology of um, film cameras and stuff like that uh, did not leap in those four years. So he was recording on the cars in Formula One races. Um, and some of the, some of the, if you see the behind the scenes photos of some of these rigs, I mean, the cars are tiny, you know, formula one cars compared to like an endurance racing sports car. Uh, they're like half the size. And so some of these cameras are virtually as big as the cars that they were mounted on. Um, and the racing scenes are great. Uh, you know, it's, it's up there with Lamar as far as the, the actual racing goes, but it has a plot and characters to back it up. Uh, to make it a fully fleshed out movie. Um, uh, James Garner went on to, to do auto racing for several decades after this. He never raced before, um, but he really liked it. Uh, and also, oh, the uh, there are a bunch of montages, and at the beginning there's like credit sequences and stuff that were kind of avant-garde. Um, they were all done by. We lost you, Heaster. Frank, can you hear? I can hear you. I can't hear Heaster. Hmm. This is the avant-garde portion of the podcast. <laughs> Yeah, we can't hear you, Easter. Like, there's nothing. You're talking, I can't hear you. Nope. Maybe it's you, Chris. Maybe you break microphones. <laughs> Maybe what? <laughs> like, I, nah, I still know nothing, Easter. Yeah. It was just a sudden cutout. Um, Maybe I do make break microphones. Breaking beds and making bread. Have you ever watched a full auto race, Chris? Oh, absolutely. Have you watched any purposefully since you were forced to watch them as a child? Uh, no. I, I mean, I've seen like minutes here and there. Um, but um, he's just going to try to rejoin and see if that works. I'm just going to have to like cut out all of this. Oh, why? This is this this is the scintillating this, this is the real-time oh, you, you drama this... <laughs> that our, our listeners uh, live for. <laughs> I hear ambient noise. Oh, nope. He left again. I was drinking. <laughs> I think I heard ambient noise enough that I think he we could hear him. You can hear me? I can hear yep. you now, yeah. I don't know what happened. My my headphones were still on. Yeah, um, I have no idea. It's like you were like kind of like mid sentence, and I don't even know where you were at, but then just like kind of like cut out. Um, 
So we're talking, talking about the avant-garde nature of the um, title credits and graphics that they use in the movie. You were, and then when all that happened, Frank made the joke that uh, this was the avant-garde portion of this podcast. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so everything just talking. goes, or I just go silent. Right. I did that right. Yeah, it was Saul, Saul Bass did the uh, the credits and titles and montages and stuff, and so that's pretty neat. Um, Bass and Rankin, the yeah, famous um, animation. Yep. Duo. Who's that? I, don't, I actually don't know. Bass, Bass and Rankin. Rankin. Yeah. They're um. What are they? He's for like the humanoids and the Sea Lab, Rank, right? And Rankin Rankin Bass. Yeah, they did all Rankin the Bass. all the Rudolph movies, like Rudolph and Frosty and Santa oh, Claus. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah, it's yeah. all Rankin Bass. Hmm. Um, okay. They did. Uh, no, no idea. Yeah, like all those Christmas stuff specials. Were so, like, so when you're talking about like these credits things, you're talking about like the when it goes into like you know like like eight different frames inside mm-hmm. of the you know showing like the the preparation for the races and stuff like that. Yeah, the montage. Gotcha. So I mean, like mm-hmm. the, he did all those montages and gotcha. Um, some of those were at the beginning, and some of them were mm-hmm. uh, interspersed throughout. Right. Um. But yeah, I mean, so this movie, like like I said, they they definitely talk about the the danger and the, um, I don't know if it was this one. I mean, I I watched, like I said, I've watched all these in in the past week, and uh, I think what it comes down to is the people who are race car career race car drivers do it because they can't stop themselves from doing it. It's it's a compulsion. It's and and in many cases to the detriment of the rest of their lives and. You see that in in this. I mean, the uh, um, <clears throat> the guy who got injured, um, his wife hardly ever saw him. Uh, wanted him to to quit, but even after even after be, you know having this horrible crash, he wouldn't do it. And so that that's why their their marriage kind of falls apart. Um, the the young uh, Italian driver. Uh, like I said, he, his girlfriend becomes a fixture, and of course, uh, he's also cheating on her with anybody. And so, I think by the end, she's—I think she has one spoken line. It's a great line. It's—it's uh, uh, it's, somebody's asking, "What's the appeal of driving a race car?" And she said, "It's—it was a French accent." She says, "It's marvelous to go very fast," which I—I I, I have to agree with. But um, I think by the end of the movie, she's she's done with him and like realizes she should go find. A, a normal person, a non-race car driver man. Right. Who I, I did not include that actor on the list, but that is Antonio Sabato, uh, yeah. the, the father of Antonio Sabato Jr., obviously, that is known by yeah, that's right. people. Yeah. Um, and Jessica Walter is really good in it. I mean, if you only know her from stuff much more recently, you'll you'll kind of recognize her, but it'll be... You'll, it'll you'll be recognize her, and, you, and if you really know her, you'll get some side poop as well, so... <laughs> So he's taking it to the lowest common denominator. <laughs> he just wants those downloads. That's going in the description. Yeah. That would go in the tags. Yeah. 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 Right. Hashtag side boob. Right. <laughs> so anyway, I, I will admit the Grand Prix is almost three hours long. Um, although that's with, there's, there's a, uh, what do they call it? Oh, there's a, uh, 
overture and an intermission included yeah. in in that. So if you skip those, it's maybe two and a half hours long, something like that. No, it's quite the overture is four and a half minutes. Um, okay. Um, I, I timed it. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> I, Chris all about running the timer when he's watching the movie. Um, that that's that's my biggest complaint about this movie, and and a lot of it has to do with the fact that there's so much racing in it, right? I mean, like they show so much of the racing. Um, the, the runtime on this is my biggest complaint, and that's why I said you bookend it. It's like by picking a CGI animated movie and then like picking a movie that's three hours long. Two um, things that Chris is, Chris hates. Yes, right. It's like it. So it's like um the the only thing that could have been worse is a three hour CGI animated movie about racing, um but but yeah I mean you take that stuff out and I actually did find the last race kind of captivating like you know um and I and I was impressed by it being that time period and how they're able to film the racing because like I didn't know what you told me but I imagined it had to be really hard to do um uh just knowing what i know about film from the 60s and 70s i can't imagine like moving cars and like how you film those like it's um i just i still just think it could have been like an hour and 45 given like the if, if i'm just focusing on the plot line of the movie right like it's it's like you know it could have been cut down considerably i do think frankenheimer was in love with a lot of the racing footage um i i do think that that the race like the race footage is uh amazing and it's also edited in such a way to really build uh the suspense and the excitement for how the races are going to finish it's not just footage for footage's sake it's telling a story it's telling the on-track story through mm. basically just images and sounds um sure yeah. It's very good. It's very, very good to watch. Um, it, like I said, it's, it's very similar to Lamar in that respect. Um, but it's, it does have a plot. It does, you know, have character development. It is more interesting. So is that why it's, it's a better movie for you? Is, is, is the combination of both the racing and the fact there's a plot line? To it? I think, I think, yes. I think, yes, because it's, it's a, it's everything that Lamar could have been, um, Probably had had uh, Steve McQueen not lost creative control and you know not run out of money. Right. Um, you know he could have done an epic like Grand Prix. Um, but yeah, so I, I I think you nailed it that it has it has all those all those elements. It's also interesting that so Grand Prix was filmed in '66 and Ford versus Ferrari was set in '66. So hmm. a lot of the um characters and drivers um uh, were involved with both of those things because you so, had Oh go ahead, sir, I'm sorry. Well you had you had Formula One drivers and sports and, and endurance car sports car drivers doing doing both of those at the time. So they might have mentioned I don't know, Dan Gurney in Grand Prix and Dan Gurney was actually racing in sixty six with the Ford team. Um, yeah, well, so there's Mc a lot of McLaren too gets mentioned in all three of your top three movies, right? In some, uh, some capacity. Yeah. Like both as like a current driver and cause he's in Grand Prix, right? Uh, yes. 
And then they mentioned him, I think, in um, uh, Rushed as, like, being, like, an older driver, I believe. Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's Bruce McLaren. And so, I mean, he had uh, – he was – he was in Formula One from 58 to 70. Um, and he was involved in 24 Hours of Le Mans from, well, 59 wow. to 8 to 67. So, I mean, yeah, Bruce McLaren, yes. So let me ask you something that I found really fascinating, like, in conjunction with these movies. Um, so in Ford versus Ferrari, there's the guy that, um, that he beats in the um what is it not not Daytona but wherever the 24 hour like stock car race where he wins that gets him the trip to Le Mans. He won that was Daytona. He won Daytona. That it's was like yeah. Hey 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 or something like that. <laughs> no, Hexeth Racing is is uh the team that James Hunt drove. Yeah, the guy the guy that he that's racing for Ford in that Daytona race. That he ends up beating like on the last lap to win the trip to Le Mans. Like that dude oh. was a real race. Like that character was a real person, like in real life. Yes. Um, and the, that guy had died like racing for Ford six months before um, uh, Miles died or some period of time before, like doing the same thing, like testing cars. I just think it's, it's like, it's, it's interesting to watch these movies where there's so much of like a like a common thread through them just by the people that were involved. Um, like yeah, these- yes, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, well, if you know if you know that era of racing and you know, I mean, like you even picked up on some of the names, but the names carry across throughout throughout many of these movies because they were all of the same era, uh, and you know, it's kind of the golden age of of formula one and uh endurance racing uh there's so many huge names that came out of it went on to be uh to make car companies or to have successful racing teams um for for decades and decades after that yeah i like i don't really particularly care about like racing at all but um i found myself like really drawn into it like in the movies, and it made me go and research like the actual historical events around it. So I, I, I found that really interesting. For someone that has no knowledge whatsoever beyond like Mario Andretti as a person that exists in the real world somewhere. Right. Like that's my knowledge of racing. Oh, uh, uh, Hanskin. Hanskin? Is that who you were talking about? I don't know what his name is, but the, it's the dude that he's racing against in that, in that Daytona race. Yeah. Um, I mean, he was also racing against, uh, Dan Gurney, who's, you know, uh, yeah. And probably, yeah. So the, the, the thing that I found interesting about Grand Prix is how, like, it, to me, it almost like, and this is more artistically rather than like, you know, the, the historical events themselves, how it almost like kind of to me sets the stage for both Rush and Ford versus Ferrari in some ways of like storylines. Like, and it's like, cause I was like watching, like, you know, cause a lot of times I'll be honest, like the racing stuff, like I would like, you know, 
check and see if I had emails while the racing stuff was going on and then watch the stuff that like is the storyline and um, except for the last race and then like but what I found is that like this idea of relationships of like the women who love race car drivers and stuff like that is like is more of the tact and and rivalries is more of the tact that rush takes and then it's like ford versus ferrari is this idea of like you know the competition between you know the different like you know like countries or racing units or companies and like you know like and um it's it's almost like this kind of like acts as the precursor to a lot of different racing movies probably like is like you know it, it takes all the elements that are real i guess in real life you know and kind of just combines them all into like one three-hour movie and then like you know from there like spreads out like these more focused movies you know about different aspects of the racing industry and stuff like that and i thought that's like really um like I, I I know it was like you know it's been described I I know I saw somewhere as like Grand Hotel like version of like auto racing or something like that, and um, I find that really interesting that it's like like Frankenheimer's taking on this like endeavor to create this like epic racing movie in the '60s, and we don't actually see some of this like happen in more focused ways for. 30 uh, 25 to you know 40 years later um and so it, it really does seem like it's a really ambitious project um overall to take on like and i and i find that really impressive um for a Absolutely. guy who is yeah. um yeah um because freaking Irons is an accomplished director you know i mean like he, he like outside of this movie like he has movies that are like really well known and um but yeah, it's it's a really impressive endeavor um, to take on. Oh yeah, I, I agree with all of that. And yeah, Frankenheimer is a, a great director. Um, yeah. Um, he 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 has an Iceman. <laughs> Frankenheimer is a really interesting dude because it's like I, I watched Fifty Two Pickup in the past year during COVID because I'm that sad and bored, and um, like rewatched I guess. But it's like um, not a great like overall um but um i mean he has like a decent version of iceman cometh in the 70s he um has like french connection too which i think is underrated black sunday which is decent um he gets replaced famously like during island dr moreau like if you watch that stuff but he also has like his past manchurian candidate like he's 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 a solid director overall um and um yeah, like to take on like an endeavor like this, um, it doesn't surprise me now that you told me like he loved racing because it, I think it's obvious through this film how much he loved it. So, yeah one one interview I saw with him said uh, he asked him what of your films which is your favorite, and he immediately said the Manchurian Candidate. He said no, wait, Grand Prix. Hmm. Um, yeah. And I'm sure he gave he different was, answers. He was right the first time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But no, I, I, th I think it comes through in the movie. Um, whatever I think of it, I, I like overall, like, you know, because, you know, like I said, it's too much racing for me. Like, I, I think it could be trimmed down to 145 too. But, um, but at the same time, it's obvious, like, how much he loves, like, you know, the industry. 
Ronin's not a good movie either. That's like R- Ronin's a good movie. No, it's not. Ronin has a really good chase scene in it. It does. It absolutely does. It has good stuff in it. It's. Yeah. I don't think it's a very good movie. Reindeer Games is terrible. <laughs> yeah, he, he 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 goes downhill towards the end of his career. But um, um. So obviously, Easter, you discounted him in this list like fantasy racing movies right you just focused on actual things that involve real racing right uh like what um Death race 2000 yes there uh, you go. there's a good example you, you like, know uh i i thought about that but it's speed racer there's another example oh i like speed racer <laughs> yeah that that movie's like low key really good. It is. It's it's it just looks and sounds so amazing. Yeah. Um I want to watch it right now. Um I don't know that they I don't think they came out with it on 4K yet. I think that's what I'm waiting for. I should and, look into And that. an excellent performance from Emil Hirsch like who if he hadn't have went fucking insane should have been like one of the top fucking actors of this generation but <clears throat> Death Race is funny cuz I actually thought about that and I I looked up uh, reviews on it, and it has ridiculously high, like Rotten Tomato reviews. I think it's like eighty-eight percent or something. And it's like I watched Death Race. I mean, I liked Death Race when I was twelve or something, but um, I don't think it's it's not nearly that good. Actually, when it, I mean, if you go and look at like real reviews, I, I I think it's much lower. Or especially at the time, I don't think it was reviewed very well. Uh when it when it came out yeah we've talked about we've talked about death race 2004 on the podcast right Fred? i think so Uh, we had to i i know i've like done this research before like pretty much everything at the time was negative but like now it's like really highly reviewed from like you know critics of the past like 15 years um it's a it's a cult movie i mean really it's just not it's not i don't think it's great it's way ahead of its time is, is 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 the thing like in terms of some of the things that it's talking about like you know and um the point that it's trying to make i think overall um i mean basically it's a precursor to reality television and all kinds of other stuff i mean like it, it, it's it's actually really important i think like way ahead, you know like in some of the things it's saying but Sure. I mean, from a filmmaking standpoint and all that kind of stuff, I mean, I, I get it. I get what you're saying. Oh, I also didn't include, uh, there's a movie that I, I don't know that either of you would heard about even called The Art of Racing in the Rain. It's based on a book. Nope. So it's based on a book that came out maybe, I don't know, six or seven years ago. And, um, and immediately was optioned for a movie, uh, which came out a couple of years ago. Um, I started reading the book, and it's told from the perspective of this race car driver's dog. Mm-hmm. And I immediately put the book down. Mm. Because that's... They made a movie out of it. A terrible gimmick. Yes, they made a movie out of it. I watched you that. You meant something Yes, him. <laughs> <laughs> Uh huh. Um, did you watch it? Did you say I watched the whole thing? Okay. 
So is Kevin, yeah. Co- Kevin Costner, is he doing the voice of the dog? Yes. Are you kidding me? No. That sounds amazing. No. No, it's terrible. It's not streaming anywhere for free. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, Speed Racer is on HBO Max, just so you know. Uh, I wonder if it's 4K. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 uh, do, do, do you refuse to watch anything if it's 4K? If it's not 4K now, not no. But that movie in particular, I would really like to watch in 4K. Gotcha. Okay. I and see. I would buy. I would buy it if they came out with a 4K disc. Like right so, you're now. just going to hold off until the 4K, probably. Eh, That's what you're saying. I don't know. Maybe I might watch it on HBO now that I know it's on there. Because I, I I did enjoy it a whole lot. Uh, unlike the art of racing in the rain, the art of racing in the rain, it's the, the, there's racing in it, but it's it's um, secondary. Movie? It's secondary to the rest of the the manipulative and uh, saccharine. Well, I don't know if it's saccharine, but it's it's emotionally manipulative plot for sure. If it's got uh, a talking dog in it that's narrating, it's saccharine. Like it's, <laughs> it's got. Not, it's not a talking dog. It's just from the perspective of the dog. It's narrating, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, um yeah I, I i shut my mouth for a second just because like i i i have learned to intuit over the years when somebody wants to shit on something so like i just like shut up for like two minutes like when you re-brought that movie up again because i knew it's like oh easter wants to i don't I, I i actually i don't want to talk about it because it's, <laughs> no no, it's no, not, no. I, it's not I understand worth it. you just want to yeah. shit on it really briefly i understand like i get it mm-hmm. <laughs> um correct i, I understand um so yeah, I um Speed Racer might have made the list. It might have kicked if we went into like list. a fantasy. Like eh, no, I mean like I I wasn't I wasn't uh, necessarily omitting fantasy. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I, but, you know, I I I omitted uh Death Race just because I didn't think it was very good. Yeah. I I, I thought about it. Uh But you know, Cars is fantasy. Sure, that's what I was yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah. Cars technically is fantasy. Like yeah. but I mean it still has roots in some sure. some realism. Oh yeah, it's definitely reality based. I mean, you right. know, sure. uh like the, the Hudson Horde, it really was a dominating uh car in NASCAR in the early years. Uh yeah. you know, it's based in reality. Oh, I will say that if you if you liked Ford versus Ferrari and you both did, you should know that the next year when they tried to, when Ford tried to go back, um, the Lamar uh, rules committee basically changed the rules to outlaw the, the F forties. Hmm. Um, so they kept on going back. They kept on changing the rules. And by like 1970 or something, they, they were totally like banned from racing because they were, they were the Europeans. Good. Yeah. Happens all the right. time. So the the only anecdote that I that I have to share here is that um it movie me and my embedded tutor my virtual class today like started talking about movies before class and then it ended up going into class so talking about movies and one of the students got a soft topic by saying like oh what's your favorite movies like um and 
because that's what they do is like once they realize you're talking about something they try to get you off topic and um somehow it came up that like we were talking about motorsports movies today and this one kid um was like you know um the only like movie i've seen about racing and he liked it but like he said like at the end there's like some guy that like you know ends up dying in a crash it's a really old movie he said really old um dies in a crash and it's obvious that it's like a dummy like you know in the thing but i really like the movie overall he's talking about and he's and i was like grand prix and he's like yeah that was the name of the movie why would a 22 year old out of all the movies maybe you've seen grand prix do you know if they show it like on because i talked to i i said this to frank before might be the on podcast. like tcm or something yeah, like I wonder, like he was like wondering, was, like maybe they show it like during NASCAR weekends or something, maybe or like you know, do you have any idea like why like a twenty-two-year-old kid would have seen? I don't know. Maybe he's a fan of Frankenheimer. <laughs> I, I don't. <laughs> no, you don't think so? I don't. I don't. Think I, think I, I, don't, I, don't I don't think. I don't think <laughs> I'm that. a fan of Frankenheimer. No, uh, you're really not. It's uh, it's listed. There's a page on TCM about it, so hmm. maybe it just maybe it's on TCM. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Um, but maybe yeah. he's a big Rockford Files fan, and he found it <laughs> that way. Maybe he's a big Maverick fan. You know, maybe. Yeah. Um, maybe he's a big rest he- rest development fan that he Googled <laughs> Jessica Walter nude and found out there was some side poop and. Uh, Grand Prix. Oh, man. Why do you have to cheapen? I try to purposefully never mention the nudity on this podcast, even though sometimes it's a selling point. It's just, <laughs> even though sometimes it's a selling point, is that what you said? Right. Yeah, especially yeah, especially to, in horror movies. You know, like, trying to be a gentleman. Right. Um, all those things, kind of things are funny to me. Um, <clears throat> Mm. All right, so in conclusion, you should probably watch uh, Ford versus Ferrari. I think everybody agrees with that if you haven't seen it. I right? would say watch Rush I think, too. I think Rush too. Yeah. yeah. I like Rush too. If you have to yeah. watch only one, though, watch Ford versus Ferrari. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> only one? Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with that. But I, I, you, I think. Uh, I think, Unless you have I, three hours, then watch. I think Rush is. I think Rush is. I think Rush is really good. Um, but I. I mean, um, I think Rush is actually more palatable to a general audience, um, than Ford versus Ferrari is. Honestly, yeah, like, I, I, I think. It, I think if you're like more of like a film person, then you watch Ford versus Ferrari. But I mean, I think for a general audience member, I think it's Rush. And if you're really into racing. I have no idea about any of that. That's why we have you on for our guest host. So um, I'm going to trust you for the racing part of all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, I, I, know, I have no and all that stuff. Yeah, I have no complaints about uh, any of how the racing was portrayed in all those movies. I mean, you know, look, even even uh, Ford versus Ferrari. Uh, does a little of that uh, downshift and floor it to like get around somebody. And that's, that's just not the way racing works. I mean, it's, you know, when when you're actually racing, your, your foot's on the floor, you're looking for, for more, you know, you're trying to push the pedal through the floor. You don't have an extra gear. You don't have, you know, so that's, it's a little silly, but it makes for, yeah. Well, it's just like you said with like Ford versus Ferrari is like, that's not the way that it happened with Ferrari necessarily, but it makes for good, 
drama with the Leah Iacocca stuff going over there. And I thought it was a really well done scene and, you know, captivating and dramatic and all those things. Yeah, I, I liked all the stuff with uh, Henry Ford the second and mm-hmm. uh, Iacocca and uh, BB. Uh, you know, it was it was it was all good. Yeah, Tra- Tracy Letts is a really underrated actor. Like, you know, you go and look him up. Like, as this like you know very minor character actor, and like he, but he, that 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 Henry Ford character is really good. Like, yeah, he does a good job with it. Um, but yeah, all right, he start. Well, thank you for being our first ever guest five co-host um well thank you thank you for having me i i enjoyed yeah. it thoroughly i'm glad you guys uh, liked most of the movies and yeah uh i'm glad i made frank uh google stuff about racing and now his head is filled with that for the rest of his life he'll never <laughs> we'll be able to remember that. it that's right <laughs> um and uh and and again thank you for you you saved the quick cage basically um through nefarious maybe means but um you you saved the quick cage at the end um and uh you know you always text us every week you know like you know like little things that you've looked up or like reactions and um we really appreciate all the support like through the years thank you so 100 yeah um I enjoy listening to you guys. Yeah. Especially yeah. since we don't get to hang out nearly as much anymore. I get to. No, hopefully, hopefully next from year. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. next year. Um, yeah. We'll be in a better place, but, um, but yeah, we, we appreciate all the support and um, yeah, we'll, you know, Frank and I were talking about it earlier tonight is like, you know, uh, maybe we'll, try to make this like you know this idea of a guest five like a regular thing but you always be the first so well thank you yep i appreciate it oh he's here. it's walt walt hansgen yeah. uh, sorry yeah i i looked him up and uh he died in testing for that 66 lamont yeah. right so yeah racing racing is dangerous for sure i mean if there's one thing you learn from all these movies yeah that's what I took away from. It. That's why at the beginning it's like there's so much death. <laughs> it's like it's, in all it's, of- yeah, and I mean it's absolutely still still dangerous. It's, uh, you know, I'd say ninety five percent of the the racing perils still exist, uh, just as they did in the sixties and seventies. Um, you know, any anything could happen at any time, uh, as Carol Shelby says. You know. Uh, you're going to like lose a 24 hour race because of a five cent washer. Like that happens for sure. Um, and I mean, maybe that's what makes it so appealing. It's like, it's like chaos. It's, you know, it's organized chaos. It's trying to make order out of, out of chaos and get a 10,000 parts. Of like putting chaos where there doesn't need to be chaos, but then trying to organize that chaos. But then you could still die. I mean, maybe. I mean, look, I drive. I drive two minutes to work. That's the extent of my my yeah. auto racing every day. Well, that's that's not racing. That's just driving to work. Oh no! Sometimes I get there in a minute and a half, <laughs> beating my own lap time. Yeah. I mean, I have organized chaos in my drawers, um, but it's like there's no there, there there's Herbert. There, uh i've i've only recently have i realized how many like fucking 
<laughs> things I say like that all the time. Um, oh, but, it's, um, a, it's a tempest in a teapot. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I but I'm not going to die from it. You know, like I, sure. you know, um, I wouldn't put myself in that position necessarily. Like, um, um, yeah, it's interesting the mentality of somebody who's willing to take that risk. Um, yeah, I mean, isn't isn't it like you know, it's it's uh, the the old adage is there's only there's only uh, three true sports, and that's mountain climbing, bullfighting, and auto racing. Hmm. Everything else are just games. What? You never heard that before? And that, and, and, and it, well, was, that, it was and that's it was the, not said by anybody I care to hear anything. <laughs> that's well, the, it was attributed to Hemingway, but it wasn't Hemingway. Cool. Yeah. I was going to predict Bob Barker, but um, <laughs> made my point for me. You know, most sports are games. Most sure, are... death's not on the line, right? Yeah. yeah, right. I got you. And I mean, yeah. somebody just somebody just was uh, doing the running of the bulls and got yeah, I saw gored, got gored. gored to death. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And that's not even bullfighting. That's just recreational. Sure. Bullshit. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. That's just a bunch of assholes trying to run away. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's, uh, it's, you know, just like mountain climbing. It's, it's trying to uh, push, it's trying to push the limits of human endurance and what they can do. And, you know, yeah. it's man versus his environment and other men. Yeah. And, and, while I like mentioned the idea that there are archetypes, like it does feel like it's couple. It's, there's only a few types, like overall, that like end up um, doing that. And it's like it's the it's the, it's the risk takers, and then the people that like want to use like logic and skill to overcome that. And it's like that's why I do think Rush is effective, even if it's archetypes, is because it's like there there's only a f- I can only imagine a handful of archetypes that really care about that stuff. So. Um, like this idea of cheating death, like and how they cheat death. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Either by going for that second donut after dinner. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I I feel like I'm like cheating death just through like the normal actions of my life, like all the time, like just by waking up in the morning. Pretty much, yeah. Um. So, all right. Well, thank you again, Heaster. Um, enjoyable podcast. It's good to talk. It was a good time. Thank you. Yep. Glad you appreciated it. Yep. All right. Everybody, thank you for listening. Have a good night.